Father, we just want to thank you, Father, once again this morning. You're such an awesome God. You're a good God. Your mercy endures forever. And this morning, Lord, even as we've come, Father, together, Lord, I pray, Father, to that you would, Lord, open our understanding, O Lord, that we may understand the scriptures, O Lord. Lord, grant us grace, O Lord, that we will not become hard-hearted, O Lord, that you will soften us, O Lord, Father. You will make our hearts more tender. Where your word says, O Lord, is not my word like a hammer. And Lord, your word also will become fire, O Lord Jesus. It will burn out everything of the flesh. And Lord, you would search us, O Lord, Father. Search us. The word let it quicken us and go into the deepmost parts of our inner man and discern our thoughts and our intentions. And, and Lord, so that we can truly judge ourselves in the light of your word. For your word says, O Lord, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray, Lord, that Lord, truly, Lord, that you would, uh, Father, um, speak truth into our lives. And your word says, O Lord, you shall know the truth and the truth will set us free. Grant us grace to that and we pray. Anoint us in our hearing, in our speaking, and even in our obeying, O Lord Jesus. Strengthen us. We thank you. We praise you. We give glory in Jesus' mighty name. We pray. In every uh, preaching of God's word, there are two categories of people. Broadly, they fall into the wicked and the righteous. And the word of God is for both. <laughs> it's for the wicked and it is for the, the righteous. If you turn with me to the book of Ezekiel, uh, chapter 3, and let's read from verse 16 onwards. Um, uh, this is what it says. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 16 onwards. Now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. And then he says, when I say to the wicked, so the first category, yeah, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die and, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked to turn from his wicked way to save his life. That same wicked man shall die in his, in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. And then he goes on to say, yet if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his uh, wickedness, not from his wicked way. He shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. So it is important for you to warn these guys. And again, it says in verse uh, 20, again, when I, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, you see that? So the first category of people is uh, people who are not following the ways of God. And the one, one word for them is repent and turn back. Okay. And for the righteous, stay on the course of your righteousness. So these are, this is, this is important. Every time when we come to the hearing of the word of God and study the word of God together, we, we were exhorted. So if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you have received righteousness by faith and you have become righteous positionally, and one of the exhortations is always to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in us to will and to obey to do his pleasure. Right? And also it is righteousness which is from faith and it is from faith to faith. You have to keep on progressing in our righteousness. So this is something which uh, which we are constantly exhorted to in the Bible. And if you look, and we've been looking, uh, studying from uh, uh, from two books uh, in, in our uh, weekly studies. We've been studying from Nehemiah and we've been studying from uh, Judges. And you've seen that the kind of Judges most of the time God raises uh, except 
possibly Othaniel, who had a pedigree, royal, uh, who was really a brave man. Uh, you, ha- if you see all the others, um, beginning from uh, Ehud and Shamgar and and uh, Deborah and Barak, and then you have Gideon and uh, so, uh, so on and so forth. You have all these guys. Everybody, you see that they were weak people. They were really, really weak, weak and uh, ordinary people, ordinary folk. Uh, folk. Shamgar with his ox cord, that becomes a weapon, right? So what is God constantly teaching us? He's teaching us that it is not by might, and it is not by power, but by my spirit says. It's not the wisdom of man. And in fact, if you're strong, uh, if you look at First uh, Corinthians chapter three, it says, if any man says that he thinks that he is wise in the course of this age, what should he become first? He should become a fool first, so that he can be made wise. You see, <laughs> so you have to be made wise. So if you turn with me to First Corinthians chapter one, and let's read from verse twenty-six onwards. Very familiar passage, but let us see it again. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. It's remarkable, isn't it? Um, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. Why? And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen, the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are so that no flesh should glory in his presence. And then he goes on to say, but of him you are in Christ who has become for for us what wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. That's quoting essentially from Jeremiah, where he says, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, but let him glory in the fact that he knows me. You know? So, weak people, okay, uh, fearful people, Joshua, fearful man. Okay, so he has to keep on saying, be, be courageous, be bold and courageous. Just in case you forgot, <laughs> be bold and courageous. In case you forgot, bold and courageous. In case you forgot the fourth time, the people will say, be bold and very courageous. You see, so so he's constantly exhorted. Guy, of course, I mean, let me tell you something. The work of God cannot be done by man. It's impossible. Yeah. Anything which is of eternal value. It is impossible for any man to do in his own strength. It is only through surrendered vessels uh, God works, uh, works, uh, works. And that is the reason why he says, uh, Paul will says in Second Corinthians chapter one, he says, you know what? We despaired even of, of life so that we may not trust in our own self, but in God who raises from the dead. That is, that is essentially because he, and he says he is the one who anointed us and he is the one who commissioned us. And therefore we are constantly even Paul is constantly pushed into a, into into corners wherein he has to come to a point and he says, Lord, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me savior. So this is essentially the Christian life, right? Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. You see, right from Nehemiah, um, Daniel, everybody, their strength was not in themselves. It is in the God whom they worshipped. Uh, so Gideon also says, right? How many people? 
And then we will look at another verse, verses 25, 24 onwards. Yeah. The words of Agur, the son of Yake, his utterance. We don't know if this is Solomon. This could be a possibly another wise man. This man declared to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Yukal. These are two of his sons possibly. And uh, this is what he says. He says, surely I am more stupid than any man. And the Holy Spirit says, well said. Please write it. <laughs> you see, it's 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 remarkable, right? He's he's so he's not exaggerating or he's trying to feign humility. He's literally saying, "Surely I am more stupid than any man, and do not have the understanding of even a man." The KJV uses the word "brutish." I mean, I thinks like I think like a brute. I think uh, Nebuchadnezzar had to be brought to that point where he becomes a brute, literally. So that, you know, he is restored only when he acknowledges. Then he says, verse 3, I neither learn wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One. You see, this is what he says. Why am I stupid than any man? Because I don't have wisdom and I don't have the knowledge of the Holy One. That is the reason why it doesn't matter how intelligent you are in this world. It could be the most brightest students. You know, the other day I was listening to some interviews of all these civil stoppers. And one of the civil stoppers was a, was a student from IIIT. Okay. She cleared her, she got a 50th rank in civils. All India 50th rank. Okay. I mean, brilliant student. I know that student. She was a very, really brilliant student. Okay. So, uh, you could be intelligent. You could be so smart, so uh, incredibly gifted. But if you do not have the knowledge of the Holy One, you are stupid than any man. And you don't have understanding of a man. So most important, that is the reason, is knowledge of the Holy One is understand. Why do my people perish? Because they perish because of the lack of knowledge. Okay, And it is not easy to get uh, knowledge. If you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 to 6, you'll see, how do you get this kind of knowledge? It is not easy. It's not straightforward. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. Okay, so you have to receive my words. You should treasure God's commands. You have to apply your ear to wisdom. So incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. So there's a inclination and there's an application. Okay. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and you lift up your voices for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as what? Hidden treasures. Verse 5. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You see, this is a process. To find the knowledge of God is just not straightforward. Knowledge of God is precious. It is more precious than rubies, most, more precious than the most hidden treasures of the world. And what is the most Biggest treasure is diamond, right? Okay. So that is hidden treasure. Now, if you don't understand the value of the word of God, somebody said, no, a lot of Christians are people who are play- playing marbles with diamonds. 
Why? Because they don't understand what is there in their hands. They don't understand the treasure that is that has been entrusted into their hands. It is diamond. It is could be uncut, but when you cut it, boss, it's the most precious thing. And that is how you look for it, right? And it's only diamond which can cut diamond. So if you want to understand scripture, you have to use what? Scripture, to interpret scripture. It is impossible any other way. So, if you have to understand the knowledge of God, one thing that you should say is, Lord, I don't know. IDK. It's a very important thing. I don't know, Lord. I am surely stupid than the most stupidest man on earth. Why? Because I don't understand the knowledge of the Holy. This is how we have to, we come to the, come to the table of God with that kind of an understanding. So who, it doesn't matter who preaches, who shares the word, this is Lord, I want to learn. It is only those people who are teachable can be taught. If you think that you know everything, that's it over. And of course, nobody can say that with, with God. It's impossible for anybody to stay. Say, the more you study, the more you know how much you don't know. Yeah? You don't know anything. And after a while, you know nothing. And after a while, you know negative. <laughs> that is how it is. It just progressively shows your depravity, has how, how little you know about God. And then he says, I neither learn wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One. And then why does he say this? Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in, the, in his fists? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the uh, all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name? Please tell me if you know. So in other words, this is eternal life. What is eternal life? To know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ. This is the revelation that was given to Agur right from the beginning. It's remarkable. It's all hidden in the new, in the, in the old covenant. So what is true, true riches? It is to know God. And who, who can know God? Those people who are weak. That is the reason why he says, my father, I rejoice that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and you have revealed it to babes and it has pleased you to do so, he says. It pleased you to do so. What do babes say? I know nothing, daddy. Please teach me. Daddy, daddy, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. It's exactly Abigail says, you sit next to me. Sit next to me, sit next to me because I don't know. You see? Sit next to me and that is the reason why he says, all my children will be taught of the Lord. And whoever is taught of God will come to me, Jesus says. And what is the attitude that we should have? Lord, I don't know. So I'm ready to learn from anybody. Okay. Are you ready to learn? From anybody, let us learn therefore today from four creatures who are so insignificant. Yeah, this is 24 to 25 of Proverbs chapter 13. There are four things. Things. Can you imagine? They're not even creatures. They, that is how, how insignificant they are. For there are four things which are little on earth. Okay, little. Petites. Yeah. Very little on earth. Yeah, and then, but what are they? They are exceedingly wise. Look at the contrast. They are very little on earth, but on the other hand, they are exceedingly wise. You know, this, you should see that Hebrew is very powerful. When, when, um, when, uh, Paul uses the word, no, he has given us not promises, not precious promises, not exceedingly promises, not great precious promises, exceedingly great and precious promises. This is how the kind of use, vocabulary that he uses. This is all emphasis is essentially Hebrew language. So what is he saying? He's a Hebraic mind, okay? But they are exceedingly wise. Actually, the word is two wisdoms. 
they are wise wise. They are so wise. Who are these fellows? Four things which are so insignificant. Why are they, ins- why, why are they wise? Because they have recognized the fact that they are what? Little. Sorry. Thank you so much, sister. So, who are these guys? Let us see. The ants are a people not strong. Amazing, right? Immediately. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Yet they prepare their food in the summer. Next verse. The rock badgers are a feeble folk. Again, not strong. They're, they're, they're not feeble means not strong. Yet they make their homes in the crags. The locusts have no king. Yet they all advance in ranks. And verse 28, the spider skillfully grasps with its hands and is found in king's palaces. I like the translation of spider. Other translations use the word lizard. So, so I like spider. Okay. Spider is good. It is not Spider-Man. It is only spider. Okay. Spider skillfully grasps with its hands and it is found in king's palaces. So four things we're talking, looking, looking, and these are such important lessons we should learn from these four creatures. No, uh, you should be able to learn from anybody. Okay, that is what is true is true, true humility. Okay, what is humility? I should be able to learn from. That is what Paul Solomon says, right? Proverbs chapter six, verse six. Let's see first. Proverbs chapter six, verse six, and verse verse six to eight. Go to the ant, you sluggard. He doesn't say, go to coaching center. No. Okay. Don't go to Narayana, Chaitanya. Go to, go to the ant. Where you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. They are what? They are little on earth and, but what are they? They are exceedingly wise. So if you want to learn wisdom, let's learn from the ant. What do they not have? They have no captain. They have no overseer and they have no ruler. Yet provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Two things. What does it say? It provides its supplies and it gathers its food. You see, how do we apply this to in our, for us in the new covenant? If you'll turn with me to John's gospel chapter six, verse 27, this is what Jesus says. Very important. Do not labor for the food which perishes. But, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set a seal on him. And then verse 32 to 33. Verse 32 to 33 of the same chapter. Hmm? Jesus said, most assuredly I said to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the bread that comes from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from the world and gives what? Life. So what does it mean? What does it mean? So what does it mean to gather your food? Gather your food, just not to store it, to eat it. And that food has to become life, right? So how much of the food that you have gathered has truly become life? Is a question. You see, One of the things that Paul tells Timothy in, um, if you turn with F to Second Timothy chapter 4 and verses 1 to 3. 
1 to 3 I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his, and his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready, in season, out of season. And he says, convince, rebuke, exhort with all of long suffering and teaching. Why? Verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. How do you know that you have gathered sufficient food? Okay. You have to have four ingredients. First, you, first thing here it says in verse two, convince. You see that? Okay. That means you have strong convictions of your own. What do they not have? The ants, they don't have a Captain, overseer, or ruler. That means captain, overseer, or ruler is not there. Why? You, if you look at the book of Daniel, one of the things that you will see is when Daniel takes a stand, three people take a stand along with them. And when Daniel goes away for some errand, apparently, and you'll see in Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar builds this uh, monument and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego take a stand. What has happened? Now, initially, Daniel's convictions... Daniel had this conviction, they so they started following those convictions. After a while, Daniel's convictions became their convictions. Okay? That becomes strength. You, are, you, you follow a leader over a period of time, okay, you listen to his doctrine, you study from his life, and his convictions finally become your convictions so that even if he's not there, you will till, still take a stand. Even if he falls, you will still remain standing. You understand? Okay, so if in the, in, in the case of Daniel, Daniel never compromised, but he was not there to protect them, to give them cover. But they still took a stand. Right? What has happened? They had convictions of their own. So, the, one of the things that you need to realize over a period of time when we study the word of God, when we start following God, one thing that we should have is strong convictions. That is how we know that we have gathered food. <laughs> You see, somebody said, no, a lot of people revolve around studies, but they don't study. They go to coaching center, they go to coaching, one coaching, another tuition, another tuition, another tuition, another tuition, but that fellow still does not study. He's running around and wasting time. Okay, But he's still not studying on, he's still not getting it. You see see what I'm saying? That's what Paul says. They're ever learning, but not Coming to the knowledge of truth. Okay. Return with me again to Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Very fam- familiar passage. Very familiar passage. Okay. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. The word is Theos Pneumatokos, though in Greek, which means breathed by God. Pneuma means breath. Theo means God, which is breathed by God, meaning Essentially, which has the anointing of the Holy Spirit on it. What is that? All scripture. It's a a remarkable statement. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And what is it? It is profitable for four things. First thing, it is profitable for doctrine. What is doctrine? To know God and to know the ways of God. That is doctrine. What is right? That is what is, which is right, we say, no? Second thing, it is profitable for what we call as reproof. Okay, or convict. Okay. So in other words, 
when we read, when we study the word of God, so for example, we come regularly for a Bible study, let's say. How do we gather food? <laughs> How do we prepare food? What do we do? We prepare, I mean rather, we draw convictions into our lives. Let me give an example. If you turn with me to John's Gospel chapter 16, verse 8. John's Gospel chapter 16, verse 8. When he has come, who is that person? When the Holy Spirit has come, he will convict what? The world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So what has happened? Whenever the preaching of the word of God happens, what you have to, what we essentially have to develop is strong convictions. God will convict us and we'll see us, though that nature is not there inside us. So we say, Lord, change it, Lord. Change it, change it. But what is the problem? John's Gospel chapter 3 verse 20. John's Gospel chapter 3 verse 20. Hmm? Onwards. For everyone practicing evil hmm, hates the light and does not come to the light. Let his deeds be what is that word? Expose again. What is? Convict. So he doesn't want to be convicted. So he's there, but he doesn't want to get convicted. But he who does the truth comes to the light so that he may, that, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been, that they have been done what? In God. Meaning what? One of the things that we, Lord, check my heart. Show if there is any wicked way in me and lead me to the life everlasting. That means, Bring strong convictions into my life. Okay. I'll show you one example. We know this example very well, right? Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter chapter 11, verse 6 onwards. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 6 onwards. David sent to Job saying, send Uriah the Hittite. What a name it is. Uriah means Yahweh is my light. He was what? The Hittite. You know what Hittite means? The guy who is under the bondage of fear. What has happened to Uriah is actually he was a Hittite when he was a Gentile. He was following David and eventually what has happened? David's convictions becomes his convictions. Okay, He walks constantly in the light. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And Uriah had come to come to him. David asked how Joab was doing. You know the context, right? Okay, we're not... We're not no, talking about the context now. And the, how the people were doing and how the war prospered. David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house and a, and a gift of food from the king's house followed him. Okay. That is the reason why a gift, you know what it, is, it, it says in Exodus, gift blinds judgment. Okay. Gifts, what do they do? What do they do? They blind judgment. So he doesn't want any gifts. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of the Lord and did not go to his house. And look at his words. Next verse. So that so the, when David told, saying, Uriah did not go to his house, David said to Uriah, did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your own house? And Uriah said, the ark of Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents and my Lord Joab and, my, and the servants of my Lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house and eat and drink and lie down with my wife as you live and as your soul lives? I will not do this thing. This is Uriah. Strong convictions. You know, um, Saul tells uh, David, now you are more righteous than me, he says. Now here in this point, you'll see that Uriah is more righteous than David. From where to where he has gone. See? What has happened? His 
built convictions into his life. So what does that mean? Whenever the Holy Spirit convicts, don't procrastinate. Don't become lazy. Okay, Deal deal with that then and there. We have a very bad habit of procrastination. I'm not talking about uh, all the other things in life we do it. Okay, we in fact do advanced booking also. So that we can watch a movie, you know, remember? And if you have to go to a vacation, oh, advance, advance booking. So that on that particular day, nobody can change your plan. Finished, over. Okay, so all those advanced things we, we do, but when it comes to the things of God, we are slow. God says, immediately let convictions, when conviction comes, set it right then and there. Otherwise, what happens? Slowly over a period of time, it incrementally fetters, festers or festers, yeah, festers. And what happens? Your heart gets hardened and hardened and hardened and you can't change. That's exactly what happened to Saul. Over a period of time. One day he was, he built an altar and he inquired of the Lord. And did the Lord answer him? No. Immediately said, who was the fellow who sinned in this camp? Even if it's my own son, I will kill him. That kind of an attitude he had. And over a period of time, Gone. Convictions are gone. Heart is getting hardened and hardened and hardened. You see? So, immediately deal. What is the answer that we should say? What shall I do? What shall we do? So when all the people came, he said, if you have two two tunics, give one to the other. And the Pharisees came. I'm sorry, the tax collectors came. Don't charge more than what you're supposed to take. And when the soldiers came, don't extort and be satisfied with your wages. I mean, you should tell all the police people. No? <laughs> right from those days, they had the same problem. Okay. And what did they, what did he call, what did John call them? Brood of vipers. So then they called them brood of vipers. They were all cut to their head. They said, what should we do? He called the Pharisees and Sadducees. No, brood of vipers, same thing. Generation of vipers. Both, the, the message did not change. One message to all the people. Some people changed, some people do not change, some people were convicted, some people do not get convicted. You know, whenever the living word happens, there's a conviction that takes place, right? Remember, he who is... You see, it's a remarkable statement that Jesus makes. He says, he who is without sin, he doesn't say, those people who do not ever commit any sin, cast the first stone. He didn't say that. He who is without sin, he says. And you know what it says? Everybody were what? convicted in their conscience from the oldest to the youngest. We started with the oldest because he has more knowledge of sin. That's what he says. When the law comes, what does it bring? It brings you the knowledge of sin. It brings conviction. And they all left. They may not, they may not have had done the kind of act that the lady was uh, uh, what alleged to have done. But one thing they realized. He who was without sin, remarkable word that is. It is not he who has committed no sin. He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. You see, that is conviction. So what, what we build in our lives, we build strong convictions. And when we, when do we start? Start as young as possible. That is the reason why Paul tells Timothy, right from childhood, you have known the scriptures which are able to wake you what? Wise unto salvation. Through faith in Jesus Christ. For all scripture is given as by the inspiration of God. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. Remember? So build strong convictions even now. So that when you know this is wrong and this is so when you have convictions, you know what happens? Even if you do wrong, if you do something wrong, you have conviction. Otherwise, no conviction. See? Pain is good. Right? Second, 
if you don't turn back to uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. For doctrine, for second is for conviction, for reproof. Third thing is for what? Correction. You know what the word for correction is? What does an orthopedic surgeon do? He sets your bones straight. Not the bone setters. They are practitioners. Okay. The others are doctors. It is it's a very interesting word. <laughs> the, the, the word in Greek is anorthosis. From which we get the word oh, orthopedic. No? To make straight. To make you what? Upright. To not walk with a drooping shoulder. Okay. Turn with me to Luke's Gospel chapter 13. We know this verse very well. Verse 10 to 17 onwards. Verses 10 onwards to 17. Hmm? Verse 10 onwards to 17. Ah, now he, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was what? Bent over and could not raise herself up. So what happens? Whenever the word of God is preached, first we build conviction. Second thing, whatever is bent over in our lives, meaning it doesn't matter how much we are told, we are making that decision all the time. It's like one habit. That's what, that's what they say, you know. When you take away H in a habit, what is there? A bit. If you take away A, you have bit. If you take away B, it, it still remains. <laughs> so, what is this? You are bent in a particular direction. Okay. It took me such a long time. Even now, I struggle, no? Uh, it's not that I don't wake up and I've not done things, uh, I, I, I woke up late. No, I wake up very early, but I get engrossed in doing certain things, so, so I forget to reach church on time. You understand what I'm saying? So, okay, okay, let me just finish this, let me finish this, let me finish this, and by the time I am, I'm so engrossed in it, and I, and I realize my time, oh my goodness, it's time gone. And I've tried to break that habit so many times. So, one of the best things to do is to leave early and come here and read. Okay, but that hardly happens. You know, it's like a, it's like a process. Why? Because you are bent in a particular fashion. And I'm just giving us a little example. So many people are bent in a particular fashion. You see. So, how do we know that we have, first we have received the word of God and we have stored up. There are so many areas when you are, which are, in our life which are bent. At least we have realized that they are bent. And what have to, what, what, what should happen to them? They should be made straight. Like, so, like Ecclesiastes says, no, that which is crooked cannot be made straight except when it comes from, when we have an anointed word. That's all scripture is what? Is God breached to make you what? Straight. Remarkable, isn't it? And then he says, but when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he, and he laid hands, his hands on her and immediately she was what? Made straight. Okay, and glorified God. So the first thing, you are made straight. Second thing, turn with me to Acts chapter 15 and verse 16. Acts chapter 15 verse 16. Okay, after this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up. Whatever has been ruined in your lives, what will God do? He will rebuild it. He will set it up. Okay, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 8, if I'm right. Just a minute, please. Hebrews chapter 6, just a minute. Uh, where it says, uh, knees which have hanged on. Just 13, 13, sorry, 6, 13, sorry. 
Yeah. A verse, a, a, let's read from verse 10. Verse 10 onwards, okay? Verse 10. Verse 10. 16 verse 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards his name in that you have ministered to his saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end that you do not become what? Sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises for, oh, strengthen their knees which have, what is that verse? Just, um, I forgot that verse. 613 or Hebrews 13 or 12, 6? 12, 13. 12, 12? 12, 12, 12, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 12, 12. Hebrews 12, 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands which have hung down and the feeble. Strengthen your hands. Strengthen your hands. What is that? Strengthen your resolve on what you're doing. Okay? Strengthen your hands. So first you have doctrine. You have reproof. You have correction. And third one is instruction. You know what instruction is? It's chastening. So what is happening? So God is not only just making you straight, he's also chastening you and bringing in a kind of a discipline in your life. If you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 and Hebrews chapter 12 verses 5 to 8. We know this verse very well. Look at what it says. Ephesians 6 verse. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And then verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 to 8. Hebrews 12, verses 5 to 8. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Okay? So, whenever the word comes, four things come. First, three things come. First is what? You have what? What we call as convictions. Second, all those things which are crooked are being made straight. Third thing, you're being Discipline. You're being instructed. You're being trained over and over and over again in the same direction. It, what we say is practice makes permanent, which is true. Okay, over and over and over again. And one of the things that you have, you have to realize, it is a long obedience in a single direction. It's a long obedience. Okay, don't ever give up. So we'll come to that. So these four things should keep on happening in our lives. You should be receiving doctrine. Knowing what are the standards of God, knowing the understanding, the ways of God, and understanding who God is. We have to receive reproof. That means we have to have strong convictions built up in our system. Third, we should be made straight in areas which we are bent. And fourth, we should be continuously being what? Chastened and disciplined. 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 Over and over again in one single direction. That's exactly what happened to Jesus also. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 4. Look at what it says. Nice verses. If you turn with me to, uh, you can put it in NASB if you don't mind, please. NASB. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 4. NASB. Hmm? Yeah. The Lord has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my hear. To listen as a disciple. And verse 5, the Lord has opened me her and I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back. That's what it says. As a door moves on its what? Hinges, so a sluggard moves in his bed. But what does what did Jesus say? The moment somebody touched him like that, immediately got caught up. It had he had an inbuilt alarm system. Okay. So alarms actually don't work. Honestly, no. Yeah, I, in, I, if you are bent on getting up, it'll, it it doesn't matter if you have an alarm or no alarm, you will get up. Okay. If you are bent on sleeping, you will sleep whether you have an alarm or not alarm. 
So it's, it's all a preparation, no? You should, these are some things which you have to uh, keep practicing in our life. So what happened to Jesus? Morning by morning, he awakened. Okay. Pastor's doing 3.30 in the morning these days. I'm finding it very difficult because by the time I sleep, it's 12 o'clock. Invariably. So three and a half hours of sleep only. I'm saying like, Lord, please make me also to get a maximum of 5, 5.30 but not able to do better than that. So we have to, we, what, what, see, we are not making any laws over here. Don't misunderstand. Yeah. But the point here is this. We have a disciplined life. Okay. And this is something which we need to understand. Okay. I, I would really recommend everybody, you know, doesn't matter how busy your schedules are. Try to read through the Bible in a year. <laughs> try to read through it. Okay. It's a habit from Genesis to Revelation. Read through it in a year. You will have an incredible, it is something which you have to experience. Okay. You have to gather it. You know, they were asked to gather manna every day. How much? A portion of it. Right? Six days, five days they had to do that. But on the sixth day, double. Why? The seventh day is a day of rest. The day of rest is coming for all of us. So what should we do? Gather as much food as we have, as we can, so that we have sufficient strength, sufficient spiritual ballast inside of us to ward off the attacks of the enemy. You see what happens next? Because he was disciplined like this, verse 6, I gave my back to those who strike me. Why was he able to do that? Because of discipline, not going to gym. (laughs) You see, he worked hard with his, with his hands. Okay, I gave my back to those. Somebody was telling me, you know, Pastor, you should go to the gym. It'll be, it's a nice uh, exercise that you can do and build some muscle. Uh, I said, I prefer running. Um, he said, if persecution comes, you can withstand. I prefer the other side. If you are persecuted in one city, flee to the other. So, <laughs> so, so, so it is easy. It is easier for, for for me to do fleeing if I practice running. Okay. I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheeks to those who pluck out my, out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. Why? Because of discipline. See, morning by morning, he woke and he awakened and he gathered and gathered. He was, it says he learned obedience to the things that he suffered. He was, he was listening and asking questions. The very word of God. He learned scriptures also. The very scripture of God. Remarkable, isn't it? That is the humility of God. You see? That is what it says. He made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself and became as a man. For God becoming a man is an anathema to any mind. Especially the people from our other Abrahamic faith, they don't like it at all. See? Okay? So, Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Hmm? Not lacking in intelligence. If you, if you put another translation, think slothful if it says, it says other translation, uh, NIV or, uh, KJV. Not slothful in business. Fervent in the spirit and what? Serving the Lord. Therefore, what is slothful? It is a spirit. Okay. I'll show you some examples. 2613 Proverbs. A lazy man says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion is in the streets. He creates problems which are not there. Okay. 24, 20 verse 4. 
A lazy man will not plow, plow, plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. 26.15 A lazy man buries his hand in the bowl and it varies him to bring it back to his mouth. <laughs> you see that? <laughs> he buries his hand in the football. Oh, but to get it to his mouth, that's what I said. A lot of people revolve around studies, <laughs> but they don't study. What are they doing? They're gathering books left, right and center. If you go to their home, full library. <laughs> every book under the sun is there. If you can see the Kindle library, every <laughs> every book is there. How many books have you read? <laughs> Hardly. But the problem with him is more than that. I'll tell you what is the major problem with that fellow. 26.16, Proverbs. It's the next verse, actually. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes. And seven men... Than seven men who can answer sensibly. That means seven men cannot convince him. You can have the perfect wisdom around him, but it will not get into his head because he is wiser in his own eyes. That is the reason why Augur says there is a generation which is which is pure in its own eyes, but has still not been cleansed from its filthiness. That's the generation that we are trying to we are living in. So what do we do? We say, Lord, as much as possible, I want to give myself to to understanding the word of God. Give myself opportunities. We are preaching a word. Seven days a week, boss. Literally, that is, I, I don't think it has have ever happened in the history of uh, church in recent times. By and large, you look at any church. Hardly. Okay, let's go back now. Proverbs chapter 30 now, verse 25 onwards. We'll go to look at the next little thing that we need to learn from. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in summer. The rock badgers, KJ will use the word connies, okay, but rock badger is fine, are a feeble folk, yet they make their homes in the cracks. If you look at Leviticus 11.5, something is talked, said about rock badgers. The, the rock hyrax, because it chews the cud, but does not have cloven hoofs, is what to you? Inclined to you. What is a rock badger there for? It's unclean. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 64 verse 6. You know this verse very well. But we are all as an unclean thing. And all are I like that. Righteousnesses. <laughs> so, are as filthy racks. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So, what does a rock badger recognize? That it is an unclean thing. Okay. So, remember, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And what does Jesus say? I am willing. Be clean in Jesus. That's what he says, right? What is he talking about therefore? He is not talking about a person who is externally clean. He is talking about a person who is clean, who is having a life which is hidden in God. We turn with me to Matthew chapter 23 now, verse 25 onwards. Powerful indictments towards the, to the Pharisees. Look at some of the indictments. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites. For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish. But inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. The word for self-indulgence is unrighteousness again. Blind Pharisee first cleanse the 
inside of the cup and dish that the outside of them may also be. Now you should look at the principle over here. The outside does not make you clean, make you clean in the inside. That means just because you are clean on the outside does not mean that you are clean in the inside. But if you are clean in the outside, inside, what? Your outside will be clean. Okay, so people will say, no, don't judge the book by its cover. Oh, don't judge me by my dress. Oh, you don't know my heart. But God's word says very clearly, if your inside is clean, outside will be definitely clean. Okay. If your outside is unclean, your inside is definitely unclean. Okay, but if your outside is clean, doesn't mean that your inside is clean. So, three things over there. <laughs> if your inside is clean, outside will be definitely clean. Second, if your outside is unclean, your inside is definitely unclean. If, but third thing, if your outside is clean, it does not mean that your inside is clean. So, what should you, what is, what, what, what is God looking at? He is looking at what is clean on the outside. That is remarkable, isn't it? We know this example very well. Mm. Today, God is going to anoint you. So, what should you do? Sanctify yourselves. All the seven sons nicely bathe and cleanse themselves and they are waiting for the anointing. Okay. Reject, 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 reject. And one guy, he comes from the outside and God says, he's already clean. Because of the what? Because of the word. Your inside will definitely become clean. Period of time, over a period of time, if God is continuously cleansing you, you will see there's an outward, definitely outward sign of an inward reality. There is. Okay. You know, uh, the other day when I was invited to this place to share the word, that pastor called me, he said, Pastor, any, any dress is okay. I mean, uh, you can wear casuals, jeans, no problem. There's no dress code. But no, I'm already trained. If I go somewhere, I will not wear anything but formal. It doesn't matter if it's a youth meeting or an youth meeting. Okay, it's, it's it's already become a part of me now. So somebody had to literally take me to the store and buy me a jean. I refused, but those days I only wore jeans. Now I, <laughs> I have one jean now, that's it. You see, because it's become a part now, slowly, over a period of time it has become a part. Okay, if your outside is clean, I'm oh, sorry, if your inside is clean, your outside will definitely be clean. But you look at what it says. Next verse, verse 27. Hmm? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and what? And it doesn't say uncleanness. All uncleanness. Now, every kind of uncleanness that you have is there. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness or iniquity. Other translations will use the word iniquity. You see? So, what is a badger or, or a rock badger? He says, you know what, Lord, I am unclean. Like the leper, no? From head to toe, there's nothing good inside me. So where do I hide? I hide myself inside of you. In other words, it has a life which is hidden where? In Christ. Or in God. And verse, we can, we can let's read verse 29 as well. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Really? Therefore, you are witnesses against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up the measure of your father's guilt. Okay. And then verse 37 onwards. 37. 
O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather you as children. As a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Proud. Peter, rise up and eat. Oh Lord, I have never eaten anything which is unclean. Peter, three times he has to be told anything. <laughs> follow me, follow me, follow me. Yeah. Deny me, deny me, deny me. <laughs> you see, three times. And finally, three times. And finally, he gets it. See. Okay. So, what does it mean? It is talking about who is this rock badger? Is a person who has got a hidden life. He has got a secret life. 15.3 Proverbs. I love that word, Proverbs. Superb. Just underlined in your, in your, in your Bibles. No? What it's saying. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Wow. See, what does it mean? I live in a consciousness that the Lord is watching me. I have a hidden life in God. My life is hidden in God and I have a secret life. What am I more interested in? I am interested in my secret life. You see? It's very important, no? These days that we are living in. Secret life is so important. Accountability, ruthless accountability is important. Excuse me. Ruthless accountability. I know I... I there was one street preacher who, who, I, who I got introduced to some time back. He was here. Now he's not there. He was, he was sent out from India. He sent some forward on his face. He put a forward on his Facebook. And he looked at some very interesting things. You know? Accountability group. This is what they ask questions in their accountability. The first thing. Are you reading the Bible daily? Don't lie to me. Second thing. Are you praying daily? Okay. Third thing. Have you ever stayed with a woman... By yourself, all by yourself, alone. Okay. Have you any, watched anything which is unclean on the internet? Okay. Accountability. Ruthlessly honest. I know some of the brothers from my church, no? they made me one of their accountability partners, so every Monday I get one email. Even now I get it. No? Accountability. Ruthlessly honest, brutal. This is what it is. No pretending. Otherwise, what happens? You'll become like Pharisees. What is there inside? All kinds of uncleanness. But what? Outwardly, you appear so good. See, this is dangerous. You cannot take these things lightly. Why you have to come to a point in your life, Lord, there is nothing good in me. I am not like an unclean thing like what? Like a badger. <laughs> and therefore I need a life which is hidden in you. And that is a, that is what a church is. A church is a, is a place where you have men and women who are accountable. I'm, talk, I'm not talking about just sharing your things with some who is not mature. I'm talking about you should have a mature, uncompromising, tough, what do you say, a mentor in your life who can, you can, who will be brutal with you, which is, because it's for your protection. Understand that? Okay. And this is, this is, you cannot take these things lightly. There's a strength in a hidden life. When you are hidden, you are strong. That's exactly what happened to Elijah. He says, I am a man who stands before God. But who can stand before God? He who has what? 
clean hands and a pure heart. That means he has the audacity to say, you know what, between God and me there's nothing hidden. Everything is transparent. I'm blameless in the sight of God. That is the, that is the reason why he's so strong. Because he's weak. Therefore he has two ex- experiences in his life. What is what? Kariath and Zarephath. We know it. Kariath. Life which is hidden. Life which is lived before God. And God was with Joseph. Why was God with you, Joseph? Because Joseph was with God. How can I do such a thing against my God? How can I do such a evil thing against my God? Because he is constantly living. He has a hidden life. And one of the things that we as believers, if you want to be strong in these last days and be exceedingly wise, we have to learn from the rock badger. What does the rock badger say? Have a life, a secret life which is clean before God. Every transaction, clean. Every account, clean. He will show what is what is wrong over here. He will tell you. Set it right. Don't try to pretend. Because you are all prone. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Okay. So, so many things deep down inside of our heart we don't know. So we do not. So that is the reason why what we call as a blessing of obscurity. Hidden life in God. Why? John the Baptist was so strong in the spirit. Look at Luke's gospel chapter 1 verse 80. Luke's gospel chapter 1 verse 80. Okay. So the child grew and became strong in spirit. Where? In spirit. And was in the desert till the day of his manifestation. What is happening in the wilderness? Dealings with God. One-on-one dealings with God. In the, that is what he says. I led you through the wilderness. I caused you to hunger to show what is in your heart, whether you will obey my commandments or not. And as a father chastens his child, I chastened you. So that you will understand there's nothing clean inside of you. What are you thinking all the time thinking about Egypt, Egypt, Egypt? Isn't it interesting? Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Those guys come through the, come through the Red Sea. Okay? They come through the Red Sea. Immediately what happens? They are thirsty. What does God do? Uh-huh. Take that uh, piece of wood, put it into the water, and uh, the Mara will become sweet. They drink the waters of Mara. I'm sorry, uh, the bitter waters which is turned sweet. They enjoy the water. Immediately they go to a place of called Elim, which has got what? 15 springs and several palm trees. They're enjoying it. And after that, you know what God does? Enough, pack your bags, let's move to another place. Now they are hungry. And you know what? Immediately, what should they remember? Ah, oh, what, what just now happened? What, what They should remember Elim. They should remember uh, the, the springs of water and, and the food that they ate. But what do they remember? We ate what we freely received in Egypt. You see how strong Egypt is, is there inside of our hearts? They should have remembered the water which has turned sweet. They should have remembered the 15 springs of water that they drank from and the, 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 the palm trees of Elim. But they don't re- remember any of those things. They remember those three things that they ate. You see, and God has to take them through the wilderness and to have to deal with them and to show their show what is there in, a, in their heart to see whether they obey the commandments or not. And God has to do that with us. And ruthlessly, He does that. He puts us in a in a in a in a in a setting where you know you are exposed. All your negatives are known. It is good so that you don't have to pretend when you come to the pulpit. <laughs> Otherwise, you are living in a cocoon. See, this is important. Okay. 
And that's the reason why I listen to Art Cats a lot because she talks about this in an uncompromising way. See. Acts chapter 13, what do they have? If you run with me to Acts chapter 13 verses 1, 2 and 3, if you th- look at that, look at what he says. Now in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon that was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Mayanin, who had been brought up with Herod at a track, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate. Where? It's happening right there in the church. They were, they came to a point that they had, did not have to pretend with each other. They became one. See, that is what we are coming to a point. That is what accountability is. Brutally honest. A life which is hidden in God. And what is, what is happening in this last days? You don't have churches. They are, they're only, they come there only on a Sunday maybe or maybe or uh, regular Bible studies, but there's no intense accountability. Okay, see, if you see, you cannot, there's a saying in English, right? You can fool some people all the time, all the people sometime, but not all the people, all the time. You will be found out eventually. Whether you're genuine or not, it comes out. (laughs) See, you're trying to pretend. Strength in hiddenness. First Peter chapter 3, verse 3 onwards. That's what it says. Do not let your adornment be merely outwardly. The word is adornment is world. Arranging the hair, wearing of gold and putting on fine apparel. Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. And then he goes on to say, for in this manner in former times the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid without any what? Terror. Means what? Their strength? Because their life is hidden. They're not afraid because there's strength. You see, a lot of people are not strong. You know why? Because their hidden lives are messed up. Why are you not able to defeat Goliath? What, what about your hidden life? Does anybody know about your hidden life in, in God, David? No. But one day a, a bear came. One day a lion came. I defeated the, both of them. I defeated my secret battles. I will defeat my public battles too. But if you do not have, if you have not defeated your secret battles, you will always be scared. The righteous are bold as a lion. But a wicked flee when no one is pursuing them. You are always insecure. You know why? Because you have what? No, you don't have a hidden life in God. Therefore what does Colossians chapter 3 verse say? Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 onwards. If, if if you can put it in NLT, I liked it. I liked it. I liked it in NLT a lot. Okay. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. I like that. Set your sight on the realities of him. That means what? That is real. What God knows about you is real. His opinion about you is real, not opinion about people around you. That is a real thing. Every degree can be bought. Or it can be obtained through dubious means. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. (laughs) I like that. Where Christ sits at the right hand in the place of honor and 
power let heaven fill your thoughts do not think only about things down here on earth and mostly what people think about me for you died when christ died and your real life he is hidden with christ in god your real thing is hidden with christ in god see very important for us we, we, otherwise we'll just be pretending they're contenders and they're pretenders and the powers of darkness will know. Jesus says, I know. Paul, I know. Dr. Vijay, who? Okay. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed in the whole earth, you will share in all his glory. You see, ultimately, what is, it, what is it about the hidden life? You are not interested in the glory of this earth. That is what, that's what, uh, what happens to Jesus, right? The, Satan takes him to the top of the mountain and he shows him the kingdoms of the world and what? And it's glory. All man is like grass and the glories of it is like the flower of grass, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord abides forever. The reality, ultimate reality is that the end of the thing is a truth of the the end of the matter is the truth of the matter and what is the end of the matter there not here that is the reason why paul says i don't even judge myself even though i don't have anything against myself it doesn't mean i'm i'm justified i will not say sabash paul did a good job no and when christ who is your real life is revealed to the whole world you will share in his glory but you know what the moment your life is hidden with God in Christ, you know what? You have strength. You have boldness. You have wisdom. I'll show you one Connie. <laughs> okay? Actually, the, it comes from the Hebrew word Kena. I'll show you one Kena. Turn with me to Judges chapter 4, verse 17. Onwards. However, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the, you know what is? A badger again. That's a word. For there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said, Turn aside, my lord. Turn aside to me. Do not fear. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Look at what he said. And then she said, please give me a little water to drink. I'm thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk, gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, stand at the door of the tent. And if any man comes and inquires of you and says, is there any man here? You shall say, hide me, hide me, hide my son, hide my son. She will do. Jael Heber's wife took a tent bag and a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple. It went down into the ground. For he was fast asleep and weary. So he died. Now let me let us go back to Colossians now. Chapter 3. You put it in NLT only, okay? Hmm? Colossians chapter 3, verse 4. Verse 4. The first 3 and 4. For you have you for you died when Christ died, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So what should you do? Verse 5? Yeah, I like that. Uh-huh. That's fine. So put 
to death the sinful and earthly things lurking within you. It's there. You see? Why? Because God is, is interested in your what life? In your hidden secret life. Bring that fellow out. Like the way Jael said, no, I will do nothing to you. Okay, come, come, come out, come out, come out. Like pastor said, no, we should, uh, we should use some tack. To our flesh. Okay. Okay, you come out, I'll, I'll, there's a gift waiting for you. Uh, what is the gift? Fasting today. <laughs> that is the gift. So, there's a, there's so put to death the sin, earthly things lurking inside of you. Actually, I wrote it down in another translation, okay. So, put to, yeah, yeah, earth lurking, yeah. This is NLT only, right? Yeah, okay. So, put to death the sinful, the sinful earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual sin. Boy. I mean, we know that is the most private. Nobody should know. Sexual sin, impurity, lust, shameful desires. Don't be greedy for the good things of this life for that is what? Idolatry. Actually, the word is covetousness. Okay, for covetousness is idolatry. That's what, therefore, what should you do? You should flee idolatry and you should flee youthful lusts. That is how you put to death. Take that tent peg and do marosko. see. Why? Let's go on. God's terrible anger will come upon those who do such things. Boy, the wrath of God actually. You used to do them when your life was still a part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of what? Anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Look at what, look at what is very interesting. Slander. Something very, very interesting. I, I, uh, I uh, learned about slander. If you turn with me to Proverbs 18, 8, Proverbs 18, 8, very interesting. Very, very interesting. In different translations, we'll see it to get a beautiful feel. Okay. Look at the words of a tail bearer are like tasty trifles. Okay. And they go down into the most parts. Look at that. Another translation, please. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down to the inward parts of the body. Another another translation. The words of gossip are like choice morsel. The words of a gossip are like choice. Boy, oh, is it so? Is it what is? Oh, it sounds so nice and tasty. But where is it going? It's going to the inmost parts and becoming a part of your character now. And you are becoming like the devil. What dainty morsels rumors are. Dainty means, you know, chocolates. But they sing deep into one's heart. Look at this, my dear brothers. Guard your heart from with all diligence. Put, put the MSG. MSG will be even more cutthroat. Listening to gossip is like eating cheap candy. Do you really want junk like that in your belly? Like that? Good old Eugene Peterson. <laughs> Listening to gossip is like eating cheap candy. Do you really want junk like that in your belly? See that? Cheap candy. What do you know? What do, you, what do we call it? Candy cotton. It's cheap. It's, I, I don't know how children even like it. Oh, hatch, hatch, hatch. They just bite into it and they finish it off within a few seconds. Therefore, verse 7, go back now. Yeah? 
verse 8 actually listening uh, verse 8 of uh, colossians 3 verse 8 in nlt i like that nlt very interesting translation simple you used to do them when your life was still a part of this world but now is the time to get rid of anger rage malicious behavior slander dirty language and what do you, what do you should do don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old evil nature and all its wicked deeds that's exactly what happens to naman what does he say please remove everything show yourself what you are to the whole world and go and dip yourself in jordan seven times that's the reason why jesus says Uh, the, his people in uh, Nazareth, if I'm right, there were several lepers, hmm? but only one was healed. Who is that guy? Naaman the Syrian. Don't let, don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off the old evil nature and all its wicked deeds. In its place, you have clothed yourselves with a brand new nature that is continually being renewed. Wow, love that. Your life is where? Hidden with God in Christ. Being renewed as you learn more and more about Christ who created this new nature within inside of you. You were all unclean. We were all unclean. But now our life is hidden with God in Christ. Look at the, look at a little animal. What is it? Connie. What does it say? It teaches you to take a nail peg and put to death everything which is of earth inside of you. Okay. Let's go back. Verse 11. Finally, we'll look at verse 11 and then we'll finish. We'll go to the next verse. Verse 11. Uh, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile. Circumcised, uncircumcised. Barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Okay. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Got that, everybody? Therefore, 323. <clears throat> 3.23. Same thing. Colossians 3.23. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord and uh, rather than for people. And then verse, verse 24. 3 and 24. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And the master you are serving is Christ. Okay? So, if you suffer with him, you will also be glorified together with him. Amen? So, let's go back. Note Proverbs chapter 30, <clears throat> verse 25 now again. It's interesting, right? How ants can sh- show us, teach us so many things. Whenever you, when I used to, I used to play with ants when I was a kid. One of the things I used to do is just, it just blows away. It just, it's so weak, but it teaches us such fantastic lessons. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a feeble folk, yet they make their homes in the crags. The locusts have no king. Yet they all advance in ranks. Isn't it interesting? Turn with me to First uh, Corinthians chapter three. <clears throat> first chapter one. First Corinthians chapter one. First Corinthians chapter one. <clears throat> and I'll tell you the, uh, the verse. Verse ten onwards. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
Ah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, ten onwards. Yeah. Now I plead with you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that you have no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. You have what? You think you speak the same thing, you have the same mind and you have the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brothers, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say that one of you says I am of Paul and I am of Apollos and I am of Cephas or I am of Christ and verse 13 is, he doesn't say body of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Christ? Now turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 4 onwards. <clears throat> there are diversities of gifts but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities but it is the same God who works in all and in all. Okay, But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. You see, that means what, what is he trying to say? What, one of the things that we as believers have to really understand that we all need each other. We are not independent. We are not dependent, but we are interdependent. <laughs> That's very important. We are not, we are not independent. We are not dependent, but we are interdependent. We need each other. Same chapter. Verse, uh, one second. Verse 12 onwards, if I'm right. First 12 onwards. Ah, yeah. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. We've looked at it so many times, but we need to really, really think about this. So also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we have all been made to drink that one spirit. Therefore, for in fact, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not the body, is therefore not a part of the body? Absolutely not. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it, is it therefore not of the body? Absolutely not. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were, whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? So we need every faculty of the body. It's very simple, very straightforward. But the point is, let us, do we have the spirit? Let's go to 1st Chronicles chapter 12. 1st Chronicles chapter 12, verse 8 onwards, if I'm right. Yeah. Love that. Hmm? Some Gadites joined David at the stronghold in the wilderness. Mighty men of valor. Men trained for battle. Who could handle shield and spear. Whose faces were like the faces of the lions and were as swift as gazelles on the mountains. Who are these people? Gerites. Now David was running. Hmm? Let's go on. Move on. Ezra the first, Obadiah the second, Eliab the third, Mishma the fourth, and Je- uh, Jeremiah the fifth. Atai the sixth, Ethiel the seventh, once again, Johanan the eighth, and uh, Abishai. Where is Abishai? Is it eight? Abishai, Abishai is an eight, right? Amasai, sorry, Amasai, not Abishai. Amasai. First Chronicles chapter, sorry, just a minute please. Chapter 8, 12, 1st Chronicles chapter 12 and verse, verse, uh, verse 17, yeah, sorry, yeah, 
verse 17 verse 17 verse 17 verse 17 let's read from verse 17 and david went out to meet them and answered and said to them if you have come peaceably to help me my heart will be united with you but if you betrayed me to my enemies since there is no wrong in my hands may the god of our fathers look and bring judgment look at what this amasai says then the spirit came upon amasai the chief of the captains and he said we are yours o david we are on your side o son of jesse peace peace to you and peace to your helpers for your god helps you so david received them and made them captains of the troops so what has happened these are all people from different different backgrounds what has happened they are all coming and becoming a part of david and david is saying are you for me or are you against me and what happens the spirit of the lord, the lord comes upon amasai the chief of the captains and said he says we are yours remember yonadab jehu says is my heart with yours or your as your heart is with mine yes come with me on that we are all that means what we are all one why we are receiving the same spirit and we have the same lord so what should you have three things you should have the same language same mind and the same judgment three things same language we should always all speak the same thing that means if i speak or pastor speaks we are speaking the same thing there should not be any contradiction we should have the same language we should have i mean in other words we should be the have this speak the same thing second thing we have to have the same judgment and the same language you see same mind basically so that is to where god is working in us and therefore what does it say locus are those people who understand that they are weak and they need what one another it is impossible to do everything by ourselves impossible and god will not allow that to happen it is the body absolutely important it doesn't matter how gifted a person is he needs the body he's talking about ranks means he's talking about understanding how authority functions in the body of christ authority god has placed spiritual leaderships if you turn with me to exodus chapter 31 please i'll show you another example exodus chapter 31 let's read from verse 1 onwards <clears throat> then the lord spoke to moses saying see i have called by name bezalel the son of uri the son of hur of the tribe of judah now the word for bezalel is very interesting you know what the word bezalel means under the shadow he's got a secret life a hidden life in god i have filled him with a spirit of god in wisdom in understanding in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works to gold or to work in gold in silver and in bronze and then go on in cutting jewels for setting in carve uh, in carving wood and in uh, and to work in all manner of workmanship full stop and i indeed i have appointed with him what Oholiab the son of Isamak of the tribe of Dan one is from the tribe of Judah the other is from the tribe of Dan and i have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted who cartisans that they that uh, that they make that may may make what all that i have commanded in other words to have all to do uh, to do all that god has commanded we need all all uh, we have to need one you know one spirit we need batsalel we need oladab and in all the people whom god has put the spirit of wisdom and the spirit we need all but you know ultimately who gets the glory if you see batsalel built batsalel built batsalel built batsalel built who is batsalel is a type of christ he is from the tribe of judah 
And he says, I have given to some what? Apostles, prophets, teachers, and all the other offices, and all is needed so that you can make the tabernacle. Bhatsalal has got the skill. So what, what does Paul, Paul say? Like a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and somebody builds on it. I'm not building on it. Somebody else is building upon it. I plant Apollos waters, but who gets the glory? God gets the glory. So if you read, the, I mean, if you read the entire account of Exodus, you'll see who built? Batsalel built. Batsalel built. But who, who built, actually built? Batsalel stitched. But Batsalel did not stitch. But Batsalel worked all manner of workmanship. But Batsalel didn't do it. Somebody else did it. But who's getting the glory? God is getting the glory. But all of them are working together to build the tabernacle. You see. And it says, locusts have no king. But they all advance in ranks. That means there is an order in their lives. They all know what particular part they have to play in the body of Christ. If you turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verse, you know this is again, revisiting these verse 4 onwards. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 onwards. <clears throat> For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. Underline that. Do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually, we are individuals, but we are individually members of one another. You see that? Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in the proportion of our faith only. In proportion to your faith. Okay. If you, if you do not know, don't preach. I remember when I was, uh, when we were taking Bible studies those days, now it was actually 2010, the first time we started taking Bible studies in, in the church. Okay. Pastor was calling me to take some Bible studies, me and sister also. And, um, you were taking Bible studies and, uh, pastor said, stick to the basics. Okay. Don't teach anything other than this. So I said, okay, fine. So one day I was reading Peter. I said, pastor, can I teach from Peter? He said, no. <laughs> stick to the basics. <laughs> no. Can I teach from Peter? No. He said, no. Stick to the basics. In proportion to your faith. Okay. Every man should prophesy in proportion to your faith. And even as faith increases, God will give you revelation. Don't worry. See, we are all running after revelation. I wish I had the revelation, but first run after your life. Increase your faith. And God will give you revelation. Okay. He, he, he himself said, right? There is nothing which is revealed. He, he, he wants to reveal things to us. He did not light the candle to put it under a bushel. He wants it to be given to everybody. But wait. Understand? Okay. Our ministry, let us use it for in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhorting. I like that. There's a, there's an office called exhorting. Exhortation ministry. Come on, brother, you can do it. One word of exhortation. I, I remember uh, after the New Year so Eve, that I mean, uh, the 31st night we finished in church, right? Uh, I, I sent just one SMS to a brother. I said, you are a precious brother. He immediately responded. He said, thank you so much, Anna, for, for that one word. You're a precious, just one word. You're a precious brother. Exhortation. He who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence as a giving ministry, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And then, go go on. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. 
be kindly affectionate to one another. Again, First Peter chapter 4, verse 7 onwards. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7 onwards. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. And goes on, goes on to say, be hospitable one to another without gumbling, as each one of you has received a what? A gift. Minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You see, every person that God sends into your life is a stranger. If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13 and verses 2 onwards. <clears throat> Actually, yeah, 2. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittedly, unwittedly entertained angels. So stranger is an angel. Angel means messenger. Who's a stra- who's a messenger? Stranger. You know what the word for stranger is in the Greek? Xenos. From which we got we get the word xenophobia. Sphere of strangers. The point is, everybody in the body of Christ are strangers to each other. At least in our church, not one person is alike to the other. We are so different from each other. Right? Absolutely different. One from a city, two from a tribe, from different parts of the world. What are we? Strangers to each other. And every stranger has something to teach you. He is an angel. <laughs> you need to understand that. Every stranger is a messenger. So what should you do? Humble yourself and learn from each other. Move in what? Ranks like the locusts. Move in order. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. So that means what? Whenever a stranger comes to your house, you are, what are you doing? You are entertaining. What is it? Basically, he brings something of the, of Christ to you, which one aspect of Christ which you would never ever have known. I remember C.S. Lewis' Four, four Loves, you know, superb. He talks about, uh, filio, which is a love between friends. He has three, four friends in his life, and one of the friends dies. Now what one friend dies, he thought that he can have more of each other. But actually, they had less of each other because this friend who died could bring something out of the other person. Only this person could get it out. So they missed that dimension completely because this guy is not there anymore. Okay, That is the reason why we should learn the length and the breadth and the height and the depth of the love of God. How? Together. <laughs> it is impossible to understand the love of God together unless it is together. So, so what does locust teach us? Move in ranks, Baba. We are all what? Locusts. I'm not a better locust than you. Locust is locust. Okay, it is only one one clean thing which is allowed. Kosher. Uh, that's it. That, that too only for John the Baptist. Because God had, God had John the Baptist in mind. <laughs> locust and wild honey. Somebody was telling me, uh, locust tastes very tasty. Somebody was telling me, I don't know whether it's true or not, but I don't even know what to imagine. Okay, locust. We are locust. Oh, that's it. Look, one, one locust cannot say to the other, I'm better than you, I have better tentacles than you. Nothing of that sort. My antennas are better. Nothing of that sort. No, we all are locusts. See, exactly. In that sense. Nothing, nobody, we have special giftings that God has given us. We are unique as individuals. Yes. We are supposed to move together. They advance 
in ranks. So what does what do locusts do? They move together. How are they doing? Going? They are moving together. Even if there are some weak people, they are dragging them along with them. You see? They are moving together. Let's go back now to Proverbs chapter 30, verse 25 onwards. Last person we should look, learn from. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a feeble folk, yet they make their homes in the crabs, crags. The locusts have no king, yet they all advance in ranks. So they all, they're just not one who's advancing in ranks. Everybody's moving, okay? The spider skillfully grasps with its hands and is in king's palaces. What does spider do? It skillfully grasps. Can you put in the KJV, please? KJV and all other, just verse 28 in KJV. And all the other translations, yes. And the spider taketh hold with her hands. What does it, what does it do? It taketh hold. So what do you, what do you learn from the spider? Take hold. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. It's not over like pastor says. Until God says it is over. Not over till God says it is over. Hold on. The spider taketh hold. Let's turn to Philippians. We know that verse very well. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 onwards. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 onwards. Yeah. Not that I have already attained or I am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Also laid hold of me. Like, you know, Paul, like yesterday we heard, no, Paul knew there was a particular purpose that God had to accomplish in his life. And for that particular purpose, he called him. He laid hold of him for that one, one reason. And he never gave up. No, I was, uh, recently I was, uh, re- going through some interviews of these civil, civil stoppers, okay. I, I came across this interview of his, uh, this, uh, coaching center, not a coaching center, it's a person who coaches people in civil services, for civil services. You know what she is? She is completely uh, handicapped from her. She cannot. Uh, um, she, I mean, she she has to. She moves in a wheelchair, and if if she has to go uh, to a higher building, somebody has to carry her in a. If there's no lift, somebody has to carry her in a chair. Completely paralyzed from from her legs, and she used to have a sister. Uh, she still has a sister. Uh, when she was growing up, uh, you know, all the attention was given to the sister. And she would say, they, people used to pity her. She failed in her seventh class. Okay. She failed in her distance education also. Distance education is also very simple actually. Distance education is to give you pass mark basically. At least minimum you can get pass. So she did her BA in distance education. She failed first year. She failed second year. She, she did several attempts to finish her, uh, undergraduation. Okay. She's her testimony. Okay. It's remar- remarkable testimony. And then she says, one day, I wanted to do something with my life. I knew they had a, had a purpose. Now, this is an unbeliever who's talking about. I was, I was, I was really moved by that, what she was saying, okay? She's a Telugu lady, okay? And she said, I was, I knew there was a purpose in my life. And I said, what is that one thing which will bring me glory in India? What is the toughest exam that I have to crack? And you know what it was? Civil services. It's not, not IIT, not IIM. It is civil services. Many IITs have given up. Okay, if they tried and they gave up. She worked and worked and worked and worked and studied and studied and studied. She got 399 rank in civil services again. Okay. She studied so hard. Just that 
when she cleared her uh, prelims and when she got she cleared her mains she was called for the interview that's a final test uh, interview is like the toughest in uh, for civil services okay so when the interview started she so wanted to crack the exam that that just the determination to crack the interview pushed her and she never gave up and when she finished her uh, her uh, civil services she was she got something she didn't get is of course she got 399 you don't get IAS. something she got some uh, public she was she became a public servant and after she became a public servant people started calling her from all around the country asking her how did you clear how did you clear how did you clear and she now coaches hundreds and hundreds of people and so many people have got at least ranks between 1 to 10 in a coaching center in civil services and one of those students was my student from right 50th rank never gave up okay and it's remarkable. The story is remarkable. Okay, I mean, I, I was so inspired, and 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 uh, they asked her this question: Who are those people? There, a lot of people have this perception that those people who have to crack civil service have to be intelligent. They have to be from top schools in the in the country. And she says nothing. You have to have the determination not to give up. And you know what Paul says: If one can work for an earthly crown, how much more you and I for an eternal crown? So what does what does spider do? It grasps, takes hold for that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of her, and she had a purpose very clear. I want to finish civil services. I mean, you can learn these stories from everybody, and because they're all stories of of success and people who have broken all odds against all odds and have become successful. And she used to say, "No, I used to have lot of self pity, a lot of anger." A lot of pride. <laughs> All. I didn't want anybody to look down upon me because I was handicapped. I didn't even want to clear any exam in a physically handicapped category. Look at that attitude of hers, no? See? And she cracked it. Now she coaches. Recently, one person from a coaching center got third rank in IS, I mean, in civil services. Think about this. They've become, these are all success stories of people who have not given up. Not given up. How much more we should, this is eternal. And God is saying, I have taken hold of you. <laughs> Why are you leaving me? There's a specific purpose for you in my life and you hold on to me with, with, with all that you have. Don't leave me. And what did I say? Like we, we heard from uh, Judges chapter three, uh, 3, right? I have made a covenant with you that I will never forsake you. Never. And that place is called what? Bochim. You know what Bochim means? Weeping. Actually, Bochim is a plural for Baka. Baka means tears. Bochim means weepers. All the fellows came together and wept. Question God will ask is, why are you weeping? <laughs> what a tremendous story of success. I mean, these are, these are people who, who really, we have to look at those stories and we have, to, we have to be inspired. We should learn from everybody. Like we are learning from, uh, from, from unclean things like, what's that? Badgers and, and spiders and ants. Why not? From other people as well. If somebody is doing first for a perishable crown, how much more we? Like Pastor keeps saying that, he is now working for the Royal Civil Services. We are all working for Royal Civil Services, Baba. 
ultimately there is going to be those people who are going to reign together with him in Christ one day with him in eternity but who are these people they have overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not what love their lives even until what deaths that means they never gave up even if then the thought comes now i want to give up no fight on what is god teaching you learn those things what is god teaching you be brutally honest with yourself what is the lord teaching me in this in this particular situation let me learn that lesson and let me press on let me move on okay at least i'll tell you something 70% of the people who start a phg program don't finish it 90% of the people who enroll for their civil service exam give up halfway because it's intense it is not like intelligence does not matter at all in fact this student who was our a student from our university she was she was her her own testimony was this she was a bright student okay she said all my life i didn't have to work hard in my studies but when i come to the civil services it doesn't matter how intelligent you are the only thing that gives you success in a civil service exam is hard work and determination ultimate trial services is there and we give up so easily but god has already taken hold of us right and what does lizard say sorry spider say i grasped you know what spider's grip no it's not easy to break that grip once it there's a there's a there's an animal called udumu in in uh, in, in in telangana those days all these uh, kings if they had to climb the walls they used to use this animal if it grips it takes a grip on the wall that's it it's called it's called udumu pattu mm it's called udumu i don't know how what they call it in english it's a it's a kind of a lizard i think i don't know so it's just one grip on the wall it's not going to give up that's it it's going to stick to it doesn't matter how much weight you have it will pull you it's remarkable right so what does what does god say you stuck to me right don't leave me because i'm not leaving you but he gives us a what what will a free will unfortunately it's your choice ultimately it's you who has kept away from me, from me I, i all the day all the while i wanted you to come close to me but you are the person who said okay you know you are very antiseptic no uh, you you didn't want to be too close to me so don't give up was 14 of philippians chapter 3 was uh, 13 and 14 13 and 14 brethren i do not count myself to have apprehended what one thing i do forgetting those things which are in the past and there are so many things in our past failures and successes both we have to forget okay right failures and successes which are behind and reaching forward that's what pastor was talking about stretch stretch on sunday <laughs> stretch to that one thing that god is asking you to for what god has created and you know it what is it? what exactly is blocking you know that one thing do it i press forward towards the goal for the price of the upward call of god in christ jesus press forward press on don't give up don't give up don't give up because god has given you exceedingly great and what promises precious promises by which you can make be partakers of the divine nature so do not give up do not give up do not give up so some of the success stories are very interesting listen to them Inter- listen to interviews is a good thing you'll get inspired to work in your word okay 
I remember when I was reading the Telugu Bible for the first time, my tongue was not uh, moving at all. It was my, it was like a big, it was a piece of lead in my mouth. Okay. And I said, maybe it's all the non-veg I ate. Huh? <laughs> you see, big tongue, it would not twist. And then I was reading through uh, Exodus. And a place, God says, no, tells Moses, go. And he says, I can't speak. God says, who made God's mouth, man's mouth, a tongue? Uh, and I said, Lord, I claim that I went on my knees at that time and I claimed it and I said, I'm not going to give up. And I'm telling you honestly, I read some of the books in Telugu for so, so many times I read it. And parts of this has become, come into my mind now. I cannot even, they cannot even just disappear. It just becomes so strong in my mind now. I'm not boasting. I'm not, I'm saying that so many times I just wanted to give up. But you know what? I literally, I said, word by word by word by word, I read every word. <laughs> <laughs> in this Bible. I read every word. And some of them more and more, more number of times. Because my tongue was not twisting. My parents used to say, don't speak in Telugu. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. Your, trans- your language is terrible. Still not better, but much better. And what am I going to do? I'm going to stop? No. Press on. Press on. Okay. So four things we learned from feeble, strengthless creatures. What are these things? They are things, it says. They are very small, very weak, but exceedingly wise. The strength does not lie in them. It is in the God who created them. And God has created all. We don't give up. Okay, we don't give up. We press on. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this day. Lord, so many people, Father, may be having these thoughts in their heart. Enough is enough. I don't want to give up. But I pray, pray Lord Jesus, like Nehemiah exhorted and, and encouraged those, those, those people, Lord, those Jews who came back, who were stirred by the Spirit, who really were stirred by the Spirit to come and build the house of God and the walls of Jerusalem. It was a work of the Spirit which was started in their lives. It was not a work of the flesh. And the rubble was too much for them. And they said, it's too much and we can't build and there's so much work to be done. I pray, Father, that we will fight. We will not give up this fight. We will learn from these four little things. The ants who prepare their food. The badgers who have a hidden life inside of you. The locusts who move together in ranks. And the spider who never gives up. And takes hold of that thing for which Christ has taken hold of us. And pressing on, forgetting all the failures in the past. And we have done terrible things in the past. But we want to press on. We don't want to give up, O oh Lord Jesus. Because you who called us is faithful. And you will also perform it. Because you said, O oh Lord, that you will make our whole spirit, body and soul blameless at the appearance of Christ Jesus. And therefore, you called who, he who called us is faithful and you will also 
do it is what your word says, O oh Lord Jesus. And I pray, Father, we don't want to give up, O oh Lord. We don't want to throw in the towel, but we want to press on. We want to press on, forgetting all the failures of the past and, and the sins of the past, everything which is, which is unconfessed. We want to bring it to light. We want to confess our sins so that the blood of Jesus will cleanse us and purify us from all unrighteousness and make us, give us a right standing with God and you will fill us with the Holy Spirit for your word says it is not by my might, not by power, but by my spirit. And what is this mountain you said, told Jerubabal? It will be made a plain. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, encourage and strengthen all of us by your spirit and enable us to walk in your ways. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.